Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're getting into part two of The Final Prophet. I'll just be reading. I had to actually sleep more than I usually do today because I'm just so exhausted. So I'm not going to be able to record a ton but uh, maybe we can have a conversation uh, if people call in. Also, my wife cannot be on the show probably today because we have somebody coming over during the time when the show airs. So anyway, let's see what we can get done here. The Final Prophet... The following are excerpts from the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. This is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall teach the the true way to the nations. He shall not cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in the streets. He shall not break even a dim wick. He shall bring forth the true way. He shall not grow dim or be bruised till he has established the true way on the earth. And the coastlands, so the isles of the sea, that's what the King James would say, but and this is talking about Isaiah saw in vision this place that he couldn't prove existed because it was in North America that this servant would come through the house of Joseph in the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. And the coastland shall await his coming. Who is the servant? He teaches the true way, or the true religion, or the mishpat in Hebrew, to the Gentile nations. The true way is the kingdom of heaven within. Jesus' true message and the main subject of the Urantia book. So, the reason why Isaiah says that his voice will not be heard in the streets but that he teaches the nations is because as Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori saw in his visions that the Messiah Ben Joseph would use social media. And Yitzhak Kadori said that, that this man would not come forth until 
the death of, Air, of uh, Ariel Sharon. Well, Heavenly Father told me to prepare to start doing these radio shows. And I did. And then I went live with my full radio episode, uh, episodes on the Kingdom of God or Nothing. January of 2014, shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. And yeah, I'm telling you, I'm the last prophet. <clears throat> I am the Messiah Ben Joseph. And the reason why he, Isaiah says his voice is not heard in the streets is because I'm reaching the nations through social media, through these pro, uh, programs. And if you're hearing these things, then you are blessed. If you listen and obey, if you shema, but most people, they hear it and they discount it. And they say these things can't be true and that I'm deluded and that I'm deceived by Lucifer and all the things. But that's what the Jews said to Jesus and that's how the Gentiles treat me. And that's how the Jews treat me. That's how everybody treats me, except for a few. Anyway, continuing on. Your answer book, True Religion, consists in the, the experience that the Spirit itself hears witness with, the, with our spirit that we are the children of God. Also see chapter True Religion in the Urantia book. Yeah, the discourse, uh, Jesus' discourse in the true religion, Urantia book. So I don't know what to think about the Urantia book, and I'm only quoting it because they're quoting it and they mix it in, but I think there's something to it. Uh, the Urantia book was compiled by an unknown author, and it was placed in a place where somebody would find it, and nobody knows where it came from. Nobody's ever stepped forward to to claim it. And it's full of very, very interesting teachings. And it's very thick. So there are whole groups uh, who are devoted to the teachings in, your, in the Urantia book, as well as the scriptures. So anyway, true religion, the only true way, is a way that has never yet been taught to the nations. Elsewhere in scriptures, we are told that before the end of the age, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven will be proclaimed to all the world, who in the present world knows about the kingdom of heaven. Certainly not the popular scholars read their work. Certainly not those who espouse the gospel about Jesus Christ, but just who might this be? It would appear that the servant of Isaiah chapter 42 is an individual that will teach about the kingdom of heaven within. Not that God, God puts his spirit on the servant. Therefore, go, God anoints that servant. <clears throat> and that's what happened to me in 2003 when, when the father placed his hands upon my head. And... Doctrine and Covenants section 103 it says that mine angel 
and also my presence will go before you. While the servant is the angel, but God the witness is the presence of God who walks among you today. There's two servants. In Isaiah, it talks about salvation and righteousness a lot. These are two Davidic servants. Not just one. These are the two witnesses of Revelations chapter 11. Now, some of you believe that Joseph Smith is among us again. And some of you believe that I am Joseph Smith. But when God showed me who I was in 2013, I saw Joseph standing next to me when I was chosen to take the place of the witness of the Father and the Son. Joseph is not the witness of the Father and the Son. And I am not Joseph. And I hope that he comes back. I don't know. I, that's something that I haven't been shown. I think there's a lot of good evidence that he will return or that he has returned. I hope he does. Because I can't do this by myself. I, I don't want to. And it would be nice to have somebody <clears throat> to stand with me. Um, excuse me. In uh, the lecture at the Grove, Joseph Smith makes it clear that for this earth there is three in the Godhead. For God the first, or the creator, who is the father. God the second, the redeemer, who is Jesus Christ. And God the third, the witness or testator, who is the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph says something very interesting, who is a spirit, which goes right along with Doctrine and Covenants section 130, where Jesus Christ tells Joseph Smith that God the Father and God the Son have bodies that are tangible, and I can testify to that because I have embraced them both but that the Holy Ghost is a spirit. And at that time, I was a spirit. In the Doctrine and Covenant section 45, I think it is, it, it says, all right, you know, there's a man from beyond the veil speaking to Joseph Smith, and he says, and the day shall come when you shall see my face and know that I am. Well, Joseph Smith had already seen the Father and the Son. He already knew that they were. But God the witness was speaking to him. And he said, And the day will come when you shall know my or see my face and know that I am. This whole idea that Joseph Smith is God the witness, you have to do mental gymnastics or ignore scripture. And I've heard people say, Well, William Clayton just added that part. And they've got all kinds of things that they say that that is, um, they're like slippery snakes. They're like snakes covered in oil. Like you cannot ca catch them. They're worse than greased pigs because they bite. You know, if, if, you, if you attack their pet doctrines, they'll find some way to slip out of it. So what they say is William Clayton added that. So they take what God has said 
in a revelation in section 130, and then they they say that it, you know that it, that's not really from God, you know, and it, it just goes along with their narrative that they're trying to create because Joseph Smith has to be God the witness, even though Joseph Smith said that that the Holy Ghost is yet a spirit being waiting to take himself a body to come to do the same or similar things as Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? He taught. He was executed. And he rose on the third day. Well, where do you see that again in Scripture? And it's not talking about Jesus, but it talks about <clears throat> Revelations chapter 11, talks about the two witnesses. Isaiah calls them salvation and righteousness. The two witnesses, I believe, are Joseph Smith and God the witness. And they're put to death and they lay in the streets for three days and three nights. And it says that the Spirit of God enters into them and they are raised up. Well, the reason the Spirit of God enters into them is because one of them is a God. God the witness. Come in mortality. And he's raised on the third day along with the other Davidic servants and they are caught up for the whole world to say, and they ask God why. Why does it have to be this way? And he says, because with my son, they put him in the tomb and he was resurrected out of sight. And people could say that that they stole his body and, you know, whatever. But, but with my witness, the whole world will see him raise, rise again in resurrection and they will be left without excuse at that point. That God does raise his children from the dead. And in Revelations chapter 12 it says, And that man was caught up to his throne next to God. That's because God the Father sits in the middle. God the Redeemer sits on the right hand of God. And God the Witness sits on the left hand of God. And they have three thrones of authority. Alright, let's see here. Oh, um, I don't know if I said this, but in Doctrine and Covenants section 103, it says, Mine angel will go up before you and also my presence. That's because it's God the witness that is walking among them, among the redeemed of Zion. And the angel is Joseph Smith. And, and the, the word angel actually just means a, a sent one. It's like apostle. But Joseph Smith returning as a translated being or a mortal being or a resurrected being, I don't think he'll be resurrected, of course, because how is he going to die again? But anyway, it's just, I don't have all the answers, but I do know who I am. And I do know that Joseph Smith was standing next to me among the mighty and strong ones when I was chosen to take the place of, of the witness and that Joseph Smith acts as an Elias, or like John the Baptist prepared the way for the Redeemer, 
Joseph Smith laid the foundation of Zion to prepare the way for me to come. Anointment is what happens to make someone a Messiah. Well, that's true because Messiah or Mashiach in Hebrew means anointed. And when you say Ha-Messiah or the Messiah, you're speaking of the the main Messiah, but there are other Messiahs as well. And Cyrus in the scriptures is called a Messiah by Isaiah. Anyway, this is why the Dead Sea Scrolls speak more of more than one Messiah. The Messiah is Melchizedek, a divine being, or another Messiah is God's servant or the final prophet who put who God has put his spirit upon or anointed. So I didn't write this, I'm just reading what he says, or she, I don't know who wrote this, but anyway. Also note that God calls his servant my chosen one. This provides a link to the Dead Sea Scroll fragment which describes a chosen one who reveals God's truth and wisdom at the end of the age. The fragment gives us physical characteristics, education, life history, and purpose. I believe this scroll fragment describes the end of the age and the final prophet to come. So, um, these are all quotes from the scroll fragment found in Cave 4 of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they're all cataloged in a certain way. So, if it's uh, 4Q, that means it comes from Cave 4 of Qumran. And this is the 534th fragment. And on that fragment, it is speaking of the final prophet. And it says, of his hand to, and then there's a missing part. And then it says, a birthmark, and the hair of his head will be red. That's why that guy that I told you about, the one that said, will you meet the descriptions? That's one of the reasons he, when he saw my videos and heard my, what I proclaimed, he was like, oh my gosh, that's the guy that the prophet of Qumran was talking about. All right, so let's see here. Chosen one, and there will be lentils on, and then there's a missing part. And small birthmarks on his thigh. And that's true. So, when it gives you the dot, 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 if you're reading along, that just means that there was a problem with, like, it, like part of the problem with old parchments is that it decays, and so they can read some of the stuff, but then there'll be some decay or something will have happened, and you won't be able to read the whole portion, and then... And then, you know, then you'll be able to read more after the part that has decayed. So, of uh, chosen one, and there will be lentils on, and then it doesn't say anything. It It's decayed. And then it goes on to say, and small birthmarks on his thigh, which is another mark of the Davidic servant or the final prophet, which is true. 
And after two years, he will know how to distinguish one thing from another. In his youth, he will be like... Dot, dot, dot. A man who knows nothing until the time when he knows the three books. And I believe that the three books... So in my youth, I didn't know anything of God. I knew some things. You know, and God did speak to me, like... In 1989, when, when the Soviet Union fell, he actually told me that um, to beware of them because they did not fall. That they, I can't remember how he put it. Of course, I was 12 at the time. But he basically said they didn't fall, that they took off their uniforms and they put on suits. And the same men who controlled the Soviet Union are still in power. And he told me the reason that they did this is so that the West would de-escalate and be brought into a, uh, a sense of security so that later on they could attack the United States again. And, and God told me this when I was 12. It was the first revelation that he ever shared with me. And I was I was so happy to see the Berlin Wall fall and the Soviet Union be destroyed or fall. But he, he basically don't get your hopes up because it's not what's going on here. Anyway, when it says he knows nothing until the time when he knows the three books, I believe that that is the stick of Judah, which is the Old and New Testaments, the stick of Joseph, which is the Book of Mormon, and modern revelation. Now that's in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they don't probably don't ex uh, you know that's probably not the translation that that uh, scholars would come up with. But this is the prophet of Qumran, and he sees the latter days, and he sees the, the final prophet, and he sees his life, and he writes about it. And then he shall acquire wisdom and learn understanding. Visions come to him on his knees. And with his father and his ancestors, life and old age. So that's true as well. I'm, God has given me so many visions and revelations as I've prayed to him to understand truth. And with his father and his ancestors, life and old age. My grandfather was 82 when he died. But my grandmother, the woman who raised me, she actually died on my daughter's birthday a couple years ago. And she was almost 97 years old. Counsel and prudence will be with him and he will know the secrets of man his wisdom will reach all the peoples how does that happen it happens through social media and these type of programs and he will know the secrets of all the living and I bite my tongue so much and all the designs against him will come to nothing. 
And his rule over the living will be great, because I am a king. I was anointed as a king and a priest unto God, and unto his, his uh, you know, his first witness, and unto the people. His designs will succeed, for he is the elect of God. His birth and the breath of his spirit, and then there's a portion that's missing, and his designs will be forever, and then there's a portion that is missing. So uh, during the millennium, there'll be um, the New Jerusalem and Zion, and one will be uh, the political portion of the kingdom of God, which has a king, which I am over the political and, and military portion of God. And then there's the theological portion of God, or the kingdom of God, which that's over uh, Jesus, or the first witness of the fathers over that. And we're under the direction of God the Father, who is Adam, the Ancient of Days. And he is under the direction of Jehovah, our Elohim. And uh, if you have a question on that, you can call the radio show and ask. Because I've, I've talked about it a lot in the past. Why I say that? Anyway, one can speculate that this information regarding the final prophet was part of the revelation to the teacher of righteousness of Qumran community. More on this topic will come up later. We also note the coastlands again. They are the ones who await the teachings of God's servants. And that is talking about the Isles of the Sea, and the King James Version of the Bible, which is the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, spoken of in Genesis chapter 49, which is North America, which is where, which is where this kingdom is born. Next, the Lord further addresses the coastlands, or the Isles of the Sea, or the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. Isaiah 42.9 See the things once predicted have come, and now I foretell new things. Announce them to you ere they sp sprout up. Isaiah 42.10 Your coastlands and their inhabitants. And this is all coming from, uh, I think the Dead Sea Scrolls talks about this. Anyway, Isaiah 42:11, call out from the peaks of the mountains. That's because Isaiah saw in Isaiah 35 that they are led in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places, and that Zion will be born in the desert. And the, the desert will blossom as a rose as Zion is born there. So, and what Isaiah saw is the area where I'm at now, in Emory County, Utah, and south to Lake Powell. That's where Zion is born in the wilderness, as everything is falling apart. Let them do honor to the Lord and tell his glory in the coastlands or the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. Isaiah 42:16. I will lead the blind by a road they did not know, and the blind are the saints that have not woke up yet. So these people are going into the wilderness because there is turmoil, turmoil and, and rioting and wars and it's not safe to be in the city. And in 2016, God told me to warn people to leave the cities and he told me to tell people to 
gather to Emory County. And I was obedient. Um, when I was 19, a couple of months before I met the missionaries, um, I was homeless in San Francisco. And I was living in my car, but I was at Pier 49. And this guy comes up to me and he says, you see spirits a lot, don't you? And I'm like, why? Yeah, I, I do. Why, do you, why are you saying that? And he says, there's a great light above your head. And spirits are attracted to you. And he said it was like a lighthouse. Now, it's interesting because my name, Mark Lichtenwalter, means warrior light in the forest. And it goes along with a light breaking forth among the Gentiles. The ancient prophets, all of their names had the meaning of what they did. And so does mine. Light in the forest. A one who fights is a warrior for light and truth. That's what my name means. Um, let's see here. I don't know. I To the world, this all sounds delusional. People will say that all of my experiences were of the devil and that I have been so greatly deceived. And they said the same thing to Joseph Smith, too. When Joseph told people about his experiences, they would say, Oh, shucks, boy, it's all of the devil, you know. And that's what they did to Jesus, and that's what they do to me, and that's what they did to Joseph Smith. If it doesn't go along with your narrative, you're not going to accept it. If I'm telling you to do things you don't want to do, you're going to find reasons to not do it. Like a greased pig, you can't be caught. And Ephraim, I've said for a long time, Ephraim is, is like uh, trying to trying to speak to Ephraim is like herding cats. You, they don't listen. They're going to do what they want to do. And, you know, if you confront them, they will hiss and, and growl at you or whatever and bite you, you know. And if you try to show them the truth um, and or show them the error of their ways, they're like they're like greased snakes or oily snakes. You cannot catch them. They will make up things to work around what you're telling them. And they will bite you, like, like a snake would. And you, you just can't catch them. They, they're oily snakes. They're greasy snakes. If if somebody has to make up stuff so that when you're trying to correct them, they can't cannot cannot and will not be corrected. That person is making it up as they go along and they're oily, greasy snakes. And when you see people do those type of things and you say, well, what about this? And then they make up something out of the blue. That contradicts the scripture. You have to do what Joseph Smith said and set them down as imposters and hope that they repent. 
continuing on, and I will make them walk by the paths they never knew. I will turn darkness before them to light, because the one who leads them is light and truth. The presence of God who is among them. And the angel which leads them, which is talked about in Isaiah, or, well, all, all throughout Isaiah, but DMC 103, talks about the presence of God among them. And I will send mine angel and, and my presence. That's two servants. But they'll say, no, that just means one. And, you know, because it goes along with their narrative. And people who our great big wise elders can't be taught because they know everything and they want to be an authority and they're a law unto themselves and if it doesn't go along with their narrative they will reject it and they will they will lead many astray because they have turned to become Judas goats anyway rough places into level ground these are the promises I will keep them without fail. First, God tells us that he is announcing something new. Since the described events have not yet happened, we can be sure that they will happen in the future. The Lord tells us that he will lead those who live in the coastlands or the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills by roads and paths they never knew. So he talks about the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places. Turning darkness into light and rough places will be made into level ground. These promises will definitely be kept. Now, if we are falling asleep while reading this, God says, Isaiah chapter 42, 18, listen you who are deaf. And why are they deaf? They're spiritually deaf. And you blind ones. And why are they blind? They're spiritually blind. He's telling you to look and to see. Who is so blind as my servant, or so deaf as the messenger I send? So at one time I was very spiritually blind and very spiritually deaf. I talk about being gothic. I talk about my past, my drug addiction, my homelessness, my anger all the things that happened when I was younger and I was very blind and deaf but God has opened my eyes and he has unstopped my ears that I may hear his voice and his revelations and see his visions that he has sent me who is so blind as the chosen one so blind as a servant of the Lord seeing many things you give no heed with ears open and hear nothing and the Lord desires his servants vindication that he may magnify and glorify his teaching here we have a comical account of the servant who is as blind who is as blind or more so than the rest he needs God's vindication as he stumbles along and that happened in, in 1996 and God completely turned my life around by healing me completely of my drug addictions and sending me the truth. We are also told here that the servant of the 
coastlands or the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills as a messenger as well as a servant. Last week he hinted the servant of Isaiah to, uh, called the messenger and the interpreter of the law, both of which are terms used to describe the final prophet in the scroll and in the scroll. Oh, let me see. Used to describe the final prophet in the scrolls. Only God could love such a foolish sounding person. God loves to bring his truth through the lowly and the humble or out of the mouth of babes comes wisdom. Some may be disappointed if they have unrealistic expectations regarding the servant. God now reassures those who love him protection and restoration. Isaiah 43.1 Fear not, for I will redeem you. I have singled you out by name. You are mine. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. Those streams, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be scorched. Through flame, it shall not burn you. Isaiah 43.4 Because you are precious to me and, and honored, and I love you, I, I give men in exchange for you and your people in your stead. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. And how does he do that? He's one man. He does it through this program. And for those of you who have been warned, it is required for you to warn your neighbor. You've got to share this stuff. This passage is one of the most touching expressions of the Father's love for his children. Truly, the hairs on our head are so numbered. Also notice again the theme of God's protection of his people through water and fire. Lastly, note that his sons and daughters are located far away from the central location. He says of Israel, but there I'm calling to the to the people around the world who are the elect of God who hear these programs come home if you live close but you're not here come home there is a gathering place in Emory County, Utah this is the gathering this is the gathering not Fairview not Manti not Spanish Fork not Salem not Tonopah not salt or like not Provo. It's time to come home. This must be the lost Israel remnant, as Judah's remnant, the Jews are already gathering in modern Israel. That's his opinion. Now we have judgment, Isaiah forty three, nine. All of the nations assemble as one, if only you could heed my commands. Then your prosperity would be like a river your triumph like the waves of the sea. That about sums up the problem. God offers man the universe for free, and man is too smart to be tricked and turns his back and, block, and walks blindly off a cliff, which is what people do when they just reject what I say. When they don't do as God has commanded them through my voice, 
God wants to offer you so much and he knows the end from the beginning but in your ignorance you decide that you're going to stay where you're at and I'm sorry I'm sorry that you're doing that now listen God's servant is addressing the coastlands or the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills Isaiah 49.1 listen O coastlands to me, or isles of the sea, and give, give heed, O nations afar. The Lord appointed me before I was born. And I've talked about that, what he showed me in 2013, where I was chosen to be the witness. That's when I was appointed. That's why when I asked God, how is it possible that I could have my calling and election made sure? It's not because of who you were. It's, because, right, it's not because of who you are. In this mortality, it's because of who you were. But he didn't let me know what, what it was until 2013. And when he showed me, it took me a minute. Cause I thought Joseph Smith was God the witness. And I'm standing there just trying to take it all in. And it finally occurs to me. And I looked at Heavenly Father... And I said, am I the witness? And he got this, the biggest smile on his face. And it looked like he was like, oh, you're finally waking up. And he said, well, it has to be somebody. And I was like, what? I just was blown away. And then it made so much sense. Why I have embraced the father and the son when Joseph didn't. Joseph was an Elias. He was not the witness. He is a witness. He's not the witness. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. He made my mouth like a sharpened blade. He hid me in the shadow of his hand and has made me like a polished arrow. Now, Joseph talked about this too, but God has hid me in the semi-truck for all of these years and he's hid me in the palm of his hand and when people have tried to come against me to kill me he has told me to flee you know and I talked about that in the past as well uh, how the men uh, oh God told me not to go back to Utah and so that's why I went to Florida and then my mom told me that there were people looking for me and they were like parked outside of the house for like a couple weeks or a couple days. I don't know, it's been a long time. And that these men in suits were looking for me and that they were questioning and hounding my mom about me. And she was like, I don't know where he is. He's a truck driver. Anyway, let's see here. And he concealed me in his quiver and he said to me, you are my servant. Israel, in whom I glory, Isaiah 49.5. So anyway, I think I'm going to have to be done at this point. We're at 11 minutes and 26 seconds into the reading, which is 12%. And I'm going to have to go because I am going to be late for work. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do a live show tomorrow. I don't know how it's going to work out, but somehow... I've got to go up to Utah County to get my eyes checked. 
so I'm going to be driving tomorrow, and I have to be there at 5, 5.20, I think. Anyway, so I might not even do a show tomorrow. So anyway, i got to get going. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless, and good day. Okay. Kim, are you there? Yep. So, uh, so I got a load going to the spur, and uh, for the listening audience, I actually got to work on time, but three minutes late is on time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, it's, I wasn't able to do much today because... I didn't wake up till 3.30, and I, la- I have to leave the house at 3.45, so I was like, oh, just going to hurry up and get this, like, something done. You know, look, something's better than nothing. Um, and this is really long. Like, this this final profit thing, it's going to take me maybe a week to go through it, or maybe three more days, maybe four. I don't know. Anyway, so I will get through it. I was thinking, you know, maybe I should read the book of Isaiah after this and explain some things. Um, Phil Davis is actually doing a pretty good job on reading the book of Isaiah, but he's trying to conflate all of the servants into either Joseph Smith or the Assyrian king. And, you know, he he can only see the return of Joseph Smith. It's all he can wrap his mind around. And um, Isaiah sees two servants, and he calls them righteousness and salvation. And they are both Davidic servants. But Isaiah saw four servants in Isaiah chapter 11. And in Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about the stem, the root, the rod, and the branch. There are four servants, not one, not two, not three, four. So anyway, um, I'll explain that in a minute. But Kim, did you have anything to say about anything at all? No, um, I kind of maybe actually... When you read it, when you're reading Isaiah, I could do that. I don't mind reading at night. I know, but there's so much that you have to do, you know. And like for tonight, Kim wasn't going to be on because we had uh, an evaluator or something. I don't know. He was going to come over and observe my A daughter counselor. and talk to her counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to our house. Yeah. Um, yeah. To help her. And, uh, he has to do uh, deal with uh, crazy kids and teenagers, and when mm-hmm. one of his patients or one of his yep. clients, whatever, yep. um, has an emergency, like they're having a breakdown and they're going off the deep end like some of these kids do, um, he has to go. And... He is always on call to take care of whatever. And I, 
you know, I wonder what happens when um, two of his clients who do not live together have a problem at the same time. Like they call the sheriff's department uh, or something. Yeah. Who knows? But they probably do. They have backup and others, but um, yeah. They have people who yeah, so help. He had an emergency. I guess, yeah. uh, one of his clients was having a, a meltdown, and he had to yeah, go, and so he canceled with us, which is fine. You know, mm-hmm. like go to the emergency. We're not having emergencies. I mean, uh, Olivia does have meltdowns sometimes, but it's usually when she's not medicated because she thinks, yeah. oh, I'm doing fine. I don't have to be on medication. And then she goes crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and pretty much. She's she doing is, really good today, so Lydia's doing yes. great. Um, she uh, helped cook food tonight. She's been doing pretty good at learning how to Um she has like problems with abstract ideas or concepts. So, um, so like she, I don't know how to explain it. Um, like well, she has, so she feels Asperger's. like because she is cooking dinner. Yeah. Asperger's ADHD. She feels like because she is cooking dinner that we depend on her and she doesn't understand, um, how she actually depends on us because without us, there would be no food or no water. Or there would no be no dinner or no it. house. Yeah, but that's no an clothing, abstract concept no to her. So she doesn't understand yeah. that concept. So she feels like she is contributing, but that, um, um, I don't know how, it's hard to explain because it's hard to explain like in her perspective or point of view. So anyways, so these little things like that, they can trigger or upset because she's easily triggered or upset and, uh, then it becomes conflict a lot. So she's confrontational a lot. Um, yeah. Yep. But we just, like me, I'm I'm a teacher. That's what I do. I teach. So even in every little thing, every day of my life, I am teaching. So when, um, when these problems happen, she is used to her whole entire life me teaching her. And it's not always a good thing because she knows when she's being taught and she... I call it being handled, and she does not like to be handled. It's like the, Olivia, you'd need to fill up the side of the sink with hot water to get the grease off of those plates. Okay, I was just making sure you know. You're using excessive amounts of soap and water. You need to fill up one side of the sink with water, hot water, and soap. You need to go and do it over again. They'll all, be, they'll all still be dirty. Can you stop wasting the water and fill up one side of the sink, please? Yeah, so, so what this Olivia type of does, stuff here, she's, yeah. Well, we've told her so many times, stop running the water because it costs mm-hmm. money. She's wasting a ton of uh, it right You now. know, and we tell her how to do it, but she refuses to do it the way she's been told to do it because she knows yeah. better than everyone else. But which is yeah. a teen- well, typical and Again, that's thing, also but, kind of an abstract concept, too, so then there's a reason why. She's like, but I can do it this way because I don't want to do it the way you told me how to do it because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want you to be right. So she like pushes back against that. When yeah, and I don't I want you get to tell that, me what like, to do because yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get that, like I know, but I'm trying to like the long run here. So she did dishes. Um, you know, we we were gonna eat dinner. Uh, the younger ones were 
putting cups on the table. She handed me a cup that was greasy all over the outside of it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I know why that happens because, well, I'm an adult and I've been doing this for more than one year and um, I know how <laughs> to get things clean, right? So I explained, you know, why that happens. And I know, like, the concept to her is, like, I used hot water, I used soap, so then, therefore, it should be clean. Um, but it's different Except if you are using soapy hot water. Yeah. It's just different. Dirty it's hard. dishes away all the yep. time, and they're not clean. And we've told them to not use the dishwasher yeah. for anything yep. but, uh, you know, we need them drying. to be Yeah, the dishwasher's for drying. Yep. Like, we just put them in yeah. there to dry. Yeah. We need a new dishwasher. <laughs> but they need yeah. to learn how to do dishes. When I didn't have a dishwasher when I was a kid. My, I would wash. My sister would rinse. My other sister would dry. That's how it was done. Mm-hmm. You know, we would all stand there. There would actually be four of us standing there, you know, doing the dishes, helping each yeah, other. Yeah, we used to roll dice, all six of us. We would roll dice and... Um, if you rolled a one, you had to wash. If you rolled a six, you had to put away. And um, everybody would have to keep sitting there and rolling and rolling until all of the dishes were done. And we would <laughs> um, switch every single time somebody else rolled a six or a one. So we all were doing all of the dishes. It was a game, and it was like, oh, man, and yay, I didn't get it, and whatever. And so it was fun to us, so we would play that game. My brother, I think it was my brother Ryan, made that game up because he is a genius, <laughs> and because none is. of us wanted yeah. to do the dishes. I didn't really do <laughs> a lot of dishes when I was a kid because I was the fourth. So, like, that's how it is with Amberly. Like, she needs chores because, <laughs> because everybody's like, well, I can do it better, I can do it quicker, I can do it faster, you know, all of the things. So it's like, oh, my goodness, I'll just do it. Get out of the way, Amberly, you know. But she really does need yeah. those kind of, like, things in her life to help her do better and, you know, get yeah. it done. And that's yeah. part of the teaching is, you know, they're helping out, yeah. but they're serving each well, other. Well, that's what I was trying to explain about the whole dishes thing, when she or the food thing. And she's like, you know, she feels like she's contributing, which she is, and that's good. Um, but the point of that is not because, you know, the point of anything that you have um, – like the point, the reason why you have them do these things is not because you need to have them done. I'll bring you a green one of these tomorrow, Lydia. Sorry, she just asked me for something. Um, so, or we can just go get one before. Um, anyways, the reason for this, the reason for her to do stuff, the reason for the kids to do stuff is not because I don't know how to do this. I know how to do all of this. You know, um, it's because eventually I won't be there to do it. And a lot of people right now um, have kids, teenagers, children, who don't know how to do a load of laundry. I mean, they can throw clothes in and stuff. Did they remember the soap? Do they know how to take it out? Do they know? No, they need an adult to say, uh, hello, you didn't do that right. You know what I mean? So. Or cook, like. Cooking is what or we cook. are. Yeah, that's the same thing. Helping you wash her my big pan, please? Right now, now, the 16-year-old he likes to cook. You know, so especially and you need to put the food cook. away that's on the counter. Oh, yep, the Emmett's listening too. 
Yeah, I know. He unmuted himself in the studio. I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. So, uh, yeah, anyway. it's like, it's a difficult concept and it's kind of rough, but I was, I am trying to have time. Um, one of the things, the reasons why Mark has time to do what he does is because I do all of the other things that he can't do because he has the time to do that stuff, you know. So he does well, that stuff, I do mine, I and then he reinforces for me. He's my enforcer. Yeah, and I, I work, you know, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. I usually get home around 5.30 yep. and wake the kids up, take a shower, and then I'm working on trying to get the next radio show done, uh, not done, but just started, like, yep. uh, programming and all of that. And also Mm -hmm. brushing out the hair and making sure everybody gets up and get dressed and, you know, and then everybody leaves about 7.30 is when the last, you know, 7.20 to 7.30. And then I try to do a little bit more and then I sleep from 8 a.m. until I wake up, usually around 2. But because I had to watch my two-year-old this week, um... I only got three and yep. a half hours of sleep one day. And Which I was makes him really to... ornery. <laughs> yeah, I am so He's tired. He's so tired. And He's like, like, I'm short. I can't do this. Stop it. Don't. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, and that usually screws me up for the rest of the week. And, like, I was able to complete a whole shift yesterday on three and a half hours of sleep. But, ugh. And, um you know, and then I slept really good. Uh, so that was the day before yesterday. I slept, for, I slept for like six hours, and then I woke up, and that's when I did part one, the final prop of part one. You know, and then I was able to work last night, but I was tired again. And then today, I didn't go to bed till like eight thirty, and then I was just, I I woke up at three thirty, and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna try to get something out. And I can't be late for work, so <laughs> it is what it is. Anyway, so, yeah, the, putting the stuff out there is difficult when you have so many other responsibilities. And we have five kids, and we have a farm, and we have goats. And yesterday we had 11 goats, and today we have 13 because we found babies. I found babies this morning. Our goat. Dang that it, we that means checking. he gets to be the one to name them. <laughs> yeah, and I named so all the goats after Star Wars characters. I know, I know. like, I, I went back there, and I was like, Stop hi, Annabelle, and she poked her head around the corner, and then one of the babies poked his head around the corner, and I was like, oh, a baby! <laughs> I checked him at, like, 11.30 last night before I went to bed, and there were none. How dare you? and anyway and then I went in there and then I I found another goat so there was two but the other goat had somehow gotten on the outside of the pen because he slipped through Mm -hmm. an area that oh yeah she did that again or he he or she yeah yeah so one she did that again that's where we found her today yeah oh my gosh Anyway, but when I put him back in, like, she was, like, trying to eat her mom's leg. And, like, she was attacking it, like she was attacking her udder. 
or whatever you call yep. it. Or, anyway, so but she, the, both of them were happy, and they were walking around, and they were wagging their tails like dogs because that's yep. what goats do when they're happy. They wag their yep, tails. And, so and both of the babies have floppy ears, and we have La Manchas, and they have little itty, tiny, bitty, itty, itty, bitty ears, which Amadala, her mom, has. But both of her babies have floppy ears, so they're extra cute, and they're, they're white all over. Of course, I only saw them this morning before the sun came up, about 5.30 this morning, 5.20. Anyway, so I don't know if they had other markings on them. Did you see, Kim, if, if they're all pure white? or? No, they're all pure white with, uh, with floppy, floppy ears. And um, they, the little girl had a problem with her hoof, with her foot. Yeah. Yes. Which we've but, had other goats that um, have had problems like that, and we just brace them. Yep. And it, yep. They, so, um, they, that's what I was just going to tell you. We braced her this afternoon. Uh, Lydia and I brought her in, and I showed Lydia how to do it again so that. Um, so she and wants Lydia to wants be a vet. To be a vet. So we're practicing. Yes. Yeah. We're yes. practicing some things. And so anytime that I have to fix something, an animal, or anytime that we have a problem, then I always show her, explain it to her. Um, yeah, so that she can have the practice and understand why. Here, and we have, so we had our first set of goats on December 23rd, and then we had another set of, of baby goats, or not set. There was one goat that was born on the 23rd, one goat that was born on the 26th, and then we had another goat who we didn't know was pregnant give birth, and that baby died unfortunately, which happens. And that was like two weeks ago, I think. About, Kim? Yeah, I think you're right. I was trying to think about it, but I think you're right. Yeah. And we didn't know this was her first baby. She was born a year ago. So usually the first babies don't make it. But it's good that we yeah, know Yeah, some of them do. Her. I mean, like, some do. But this one, yeah, that one, so sometimes, especially because she's small, we didn't know that she was pregnant. So we found out she carries, like, her mom and her, and her sister. And so they carry really weird. And so it's like, uh, I don't know if you are or if you're not. And, you know, I'm not going to pay a vet to do a fetal Doppler on them or anything. So we just... Yeah. wait to find out but we know around the general time like the time frame so we know we okay, think like, we know you're okay, bagging so up checking and, yeah that Amidala. one she's been lying for a while <laughs> she has been we were like okay she's gonna have her baby any minute now because she's yawning her silent yawn she has the other symptoms that she's about to give birth for two months you know like the end of December through January and February, and finally, I don't know. Oh, yes, hey, guess ridiculous. what? I'm going to go. I am going over a bridge right now, right before wash plant, and guess what's underneath of me? You have to water. Guess, Kim. <laughs> it's a bridge. Water? No, the no, Amtrak uh, the train. train. The oh, Amtrak. Uh-huh. Not okay. just the train, because that's like, eh, the Amtrak train. And, hey, if you want to take Amtrak to help her Utah, 
We will come take you to a hotel, and we will visit with you, and we'll have a good time, you know, over the weekend or whatever. <laughs> I have Friday night and Saturday night off every week, unless I have to work, but I don't usually want to. Anyway, we have a train station for Amtrak in Helper, Utah. So just to let you know, you can come here. It is possible. <laughs> I'm going up wash plant, though, so... Hello? Uh, hi, I don't know where Mom went. Hi, I'm right here. She said she's still on. Okay. Yep, I'm here. I'm doing all of the things, sorry. Still doing things. I'm actually applying my Jake brakes going up a hill. Gee, slow down. <laughs> I can't help it if there's a savage truck in front of me. These guys are slow. <laughs> The, uh, my my company puts the 600 Cummins in their truck with uh, really good gear ratios on the differentials and an 18 speed. So I usually top this hill about 38 miles an hour. Well, right now we're going about 20 miles an hour, which is one work for Savage. <laughs> Give me power. I will take power over speed any day. Okay. Uh, I'm almost to the top of wash plant, but I don't hear anybody saying anything. Uh, anything. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, mom was anyway. talking to Eliza, I think, so. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so we do. Uh, I This truck actually does go 70 miles an hour. My last truck was ungoverned, and I took a load of coal over to Levan, Utah, to the rail yard there, and I went back uh, to Sufco uh, by Salina, Utah, kind of. Um, let's see, through Scipio on I-15 in the middle of the night. And I wanted to see how fast the truck would go. So the speed limit there is 80. Well, I got it up to like 97 miles an hour. And then I was like, okay, that's too fast. I got to slow down. I did not reach the top end. But that truck didn't have the power, but it had the speed. So it took me longer to do the load because I would slow down like these Savage trucks do. Well, with the truck that I drive now, it's got the power, and it does go 70, you know, and uh, it's a gear ratio is good on it, so it pulls these 64-ton loads, 65-ton loads, you know. Anyway, so, uh, all right, well, we don't have any callers, unfortunately. And we don't have anybody in the chat room. Emmett, if you've got the chat room open, can you refresh things and see, make just make sure that there's nobody in the chat room or on the uh, in the call in in the studio. Yep. Okay. Um, let me just reload it. Okay. That's weird. 
a reloading right now. Going um. to chat. The chat is loading. Uh, it doesn't look like anyone's there. Okay. All right, well, um, I was going to talk about Moroni appearing to Joseph Smith and talking about the, uh, you know, that uh, Isaiah chapter 11 is about to be fulfilled. Uh, the man of Acts chapter 2, verses two, 22 and 23 is Christ. That to Joseph Smith. You, you just why cut out I, for a second. Why was I muted? I don't know. Why you did I? Why was I putting? I did because I went to the screening room. Oh. I was in the screening room, and then I was put back in, and you didn't touch it. Nope. And I don't even have it pulled oh. up on my phone. It's on the computer, so no. Especially. Okay. Okay. Well, I was going to talk Please. about uh, when Moroni came to Joseph Smith and told him that. Um, the man of Acts chapter 2 verses 22 and 23 is Christ, is Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people. Well, that, you know, Jesus Christ is a Messiah or a Christ, but he had already been rejected by his people. So this is not speaking about Jesus Christ. It's speaking about the man like unto Moses, not the prophet like unto Moses, that's Jesus. The man like unto Moses is not Jesus, it's a different servant. Okay, and um, and there's some other things too, but in, uh, in DNC section 113, um, Joseph Smith is asking, or somebody's asking, um, you know, who the stem is. And Jesus Christ says, Verily I say unto you, the stem is Christ. But he doesn't say, I am the stem. And he doesn't say, Verily I say unto you, it is Jesus Christ. And everybody just assumes that the stem is Jesus. Well, there's another Messiah. Messiah ben Joseph was also a Messiah or a Christ. Not the Redeemer, but a Christ nonetheless. And the reason Jesus doesn't say, verily I say unto you that the stem is me, me is the stem, or whatever, is because he's not the stem. It is Messiah ben Joseph that is the stem. And Isaiah, uh, Moroni said that Isaiah chapter 11 was about to be fulfilled, meaning it had not yet been fulfilled. <laughs> so anyway, um, but I'll have to talk about that at a later time. There's a lot more to this than that, but it's also not G uh, Joseph Smith either. So, all right, well, I am at the spur. I'm going to have to jump out, so we might as well end the program for today since we don't have any callers. So, Emmett, thank you for everything. Tell Mom thank you for everything, and I'll call you guys in a little bit. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless, and goodbye. Emmett, cue the music. Thank you.